Welcome to Countdown to Kickoff, part of Oregon College Game Day with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax. Presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on 1029 and 750 The Game. Countdown to Kickoff on 1029 750 The Game. Welcome in Judah Newby, Neil Lomax. Big show ahead of the Ducks taking on San Jose State. We're going to talk some Oregon football. Tyson Alger of The Athletic joins us at 1230. Chris Miller, former NFL quarterback, contemporary of Neil Lomax. He'll be joining the show at the 1 o'clock hour. Nick Daschle of the Oregonian will preview the Beaver Nevada game live from Reno in the 1 o'clock hour as well. But first, continuing our crosstalk segment, Brian Perkins, Jordan Kent joining us in studio as well. And guys, we're just talking off the air. This Willie T game mm. in the Syracuse Carrier Dome. 23-0. Q's up on FSU. 10 minutes to go in the game. This is bad. Well, the right tackle just got beat twice in a <laughs> row, and Francois, the quarterback for Florida State, got blasted. After the second time he got knocked down, his offensive tackle tries to pick him up. Francois slaps his hand away. Oh, my gosh. This is high school. So, this is high school this attitude. Is not it, it looking is, good. Speaking of high school, so our uh, Eric, Eric Dungy yeah. from Lake Ridge High School. Uh, I, I got here a little late. I saw the score, though. I was watching earlier. He did start, so he yes. – he, was injured? So his first pass attempt of the game, a non-contact throw, wasn't even that rushed. He came off holding his right elbow on a third down pass that fell incomplete. After that, he came back into the game, but I think he took a couple of hits because they got the backup quarterback in now. First quarter. Syracuse does. So Eric Dungey yeah, went late, out in the first quarter? I think late second quarter he was out for good. I haven't seen him come back into the game yet. but So it um, could be 48 to nothing. It could be worse. I mean... <laughs> But at halftime, it was only 6 nothing. So yeah, but Eric Gungie, he's, he's last year and a half, two years. They upset Clemson last year. Upset Clemson at home, and this is just a, we've seen this movie before. Now Florida State gets their turn coming to the, the Carrier Dome. That's right. By the way, Scott Frost. Yeah, what's the Troy State update? 24-13, to Troy leads <laughs> Nebraska four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And What's I think, happening? And I think that's a different situation. I think a lot of Duck fans, let's be honest, they're not hoping for a whole lot of W's for Florida State this year, whereas I think a lot of people look at Scott Frost and look at the job that he did at UCF and the fact that he's back at his alma mater. They want him to do really well there, but I think they're out without their quarterback right now at Nebraska. Right. And mm-hmm. we, you know this, Neil, especially in college football, if you don't have your quarterback there's not a whole lot you can do unless you've got a stud at backup, which it's hard to keep second-string quarterbacks in college because they want to transfer somewhere else. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, most of the colleges have three or four that can play. But that number one guy is getting 90% of the reps. Mm -hmm. And they go pretty light on Mondays, kind of light on Tuesdays, hard work on Wednesdays, pretty good good Thursday, Friday's walkthrough. The starting quarterback's getting 90% of the reps. Mm -hmm. So you lose him right away, really drop off. It's just the rhythm, the continuity. Uh, but again, talent. He's the number one guy. So Nebraska, it's Martinez, yep. right? Got hurt. We saw him last week. There were actually some controversy about how that injury took place against Colorado. Frost was not happy about that hit. No, not at all. And if you compare it to backup quarterback situations in the NFL, your backup in the NFL was a number one guy in college at some point. So he's got the ability to make throws. He's just lacking maybe that elite ability. And obviously Neil can speak speak more to it than I can of being able to read defenses and anticipate coverages and whatnot. But in college, your backups sometimes are lacking the fundamental skills to make every throw accurately and on time, as well as the compounding effect of not being able to read defenses as fast as possible, thinking rather than reacting out there. So 
I don't blame Nick Saban for keeping two quarterbacks on the roster because they're one injury away from maybe stubbing their toe and losing a game and whatnot. And so you see what it does. And I think that leads to a question for this Oregon game is, will they give their backups more of an opportunity against San Jose State? Because so far, Neil, in the first two games of the year for the Ducks, we've seen eight pass attempts for Braxton Burmeister and zero for Tyler Shuck. Well, but it's it's also a respect thing by the coaching staff where you're in the fourth quarter, you're up by 60. I mean, you really don't want to throw it. I mean, you want to see Braxton get some throws. You want to see Tyler Shuck get some real live action and some throws. But still, it's 65 to 7, guy. It's 62 to, come on. It, the respect matter is, why are you throwing it unless it's third down and 10? So you're in a different situation, Jordan Wynn. To me, you're not, it's not real live football. You're already up by 55 mm. points, and you're sticking a kid in there. He's kind of like, well, crap, I shouldn't really. But it's, if it's third down, you got to throw it. Well, well, coaches don't have that gentleman's agreement where they might not be able to understand that on the other side of the ball, I'm trying to get reps for my backup. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I'm also trying to develop my team. I don't have my number one guy out there. My backup's not thrown to my number one receivers. I mean, and, I, and I it's just, also your system. So true. you have to run pass option. It's, it is a run pass option. It true. is. He's reading. I mean, Braxton Burmeister is reading. The defense, they're reading, here's my read. If it's if it's there, if it's only four guys in the box, I'm giving the zone. Mm-hmm. If there are five or six guys in the box, backer's coming, I'm pulling it, throwing the slant. It's a read. So they're going to react to the coverage anyway. It's a certain play called, but if they, if you don't, you give me the right coverage, my job is to read it, execute it, and i got to throw it if the throw mm. is there. Mm. That's the system they have. So you don't, yeah, the gentleman's agreement is, this is our system. I mean, we're the run and shoot at right. Fallen State. Hey, we're throwing every down. <laughs> so you're talking to the wrong guy here. Yeah. I'm throwing the fourth quarter anyway. So I'm hoping Tyler <laughs> Shuck gets in there and, and has eight or nine pass attempts. I'd like to see the guy throw. Um, us too. Yeah. Us too, especially with the redshirt rules, because Brian and I were talking about this, where, I mean, how valuable is it that you have the chance to watch these guys play four games before you have to decide to redshirt them or not? Why not see what they can do in game action while you can still redshirt them later before you lose that opportunity to do so? Yeah. So here's the question I have then. You put Braxton in the start of second quarter. I think, I think second half is the well, argument. Second quarter. It's 21 nothing, and you want to see him have live bullets because what if Justin goes down mm. in the first quarter of the Stanford game? You want Herbert to pad those Heisman stats. Yeah. Okay. You gotta get him to New York, baby. <laughs> I mean, you finished seventh in the Heisman voting one year. Okay, well, I would have been third if he would have kept me in the whole second half. There. <laughs> Is that what you guys are saying? That's right. That's yeah. right. Mouse took my butt out the second half. Yeah, you okay, would have beat okay. out Jim McMahon <laughs> right. that year. And to that point, Herbert's got nine touchdowns through the first two oh, games. Oh, if yeah. he can get another three or four, that's going to really mm-hmm. add to his resume. And let's say the Ducks do get to either the Pac-12 title game, or they finish second in the North, and they're able to get a win over Stanford or Washington. You're going to love those 11, 12, 13 touchdowns you get over the first three games that bumps his total to 30, 35-plus potentially at the end of the year. And as long as Jalen Red's in the game, just give yeah. him, my God, he's got four <laughs> touch, five touchdowns and his seven catches or something. As long as he's in with Justin, you got TDs. Well, we were joking, he's number 30, and you're thinking, like, wait, is this the ninth <laughs> running back for the Ducks? No, he's a receiver. Yeah, I just right. happened to be number 30. Skill. He's a playmaker. skill positions. Yeah. You're listening to Countdown to Kickoff. This is Crosstalk, Neil Lomax, Jordan Kent in the house, Judah Newby, Brian Perkins. Before we go out, though, Thoughts on the Beaver game. Beavers, Nevada, on in front of the national television audience on ESPN3 today. <laughs> Four o'clock kick down there in Reno. Big time streaming audience today. Yeah, that's right. Big time streaming. That stream's right, going to go down. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really want to watch this one, though. But Perkins and Kent, quickly, your thoughts on that one. Who do you got winning this game? 
You know, I think that uh, I think that if you're a Beaver fan, you just want to be in this game right at the end. I mean, I know that Vegas doesn't have Oregon State winning this game. I think they're three and a half point dogs as it stands right now. But I think that if you have a chance to win this game with three to four minutes left, you're pretty happy as a Beavers fan. But I don't I don't know if they have what it takes to get it done on the road quite yet. But 20th in the nation in rushing are the Beavers so far this season. Pierce goes down with the injury, which is tough. But um, I like what Oregon State's been doing running the football, and I'd like to see that continue today. Yeah, I think if you're an Oregon State fan, you want to see that continuity on offense. So let's say you lose 38-33. You're not too disappointed with that. I think you want to avoid a 28-7 loss or something where the offense stubs its toe. However, if you do get this win, we were talking, it really sets the Beavers up nicely for the beginning of Pac-12 play. You have Arizona at home. They're vulnerable. Then you go on the road to Arizona State, and then you're going to host Washington State and Cal in back-to-back weeks. I think if you can get to 2-1 and one into conference play, that's going to build a lot of momentum for this team that's trying to go through a rebuild right now. You know, speaking of continuity, I'm looking forward to Jake Luton. Mm-hmm. Are you Connor Blunt? I mean, are you just two quarterback system team that you're going to blame the other guy because you didn't do well because, oh, that could have happened. We're just trying to find out who our guy is. No, no, no. Oregon State fans are expecting a win. Come on. You're expecting a win. You're going to go down there, play Nevada, expecting a win. Now, will they? I don't think they will. I think Nevada at home. Yeah, they laid an egg against Vanderbilt. But what I saw on film against Portland State, I know I'm a little Portland State's not that bad, but it's at Nevada, and there's a lot of history. Jude and I want to talk about a lot of history there. The first time they met back in 1999. Amazing. 1999, Jordan, I mean, Jonathan Smith. Fourth career start. Was a quarterback there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'll have a little history about that. But I, I think Nevada's going to pull this one out. I do as well. What do we stand with the coconut milk bet then from last week? Well, well, I think what we're going to do here I'm going to change it to almond milk now because Jordan told me the yeah. saturated fats and yeah. coconut. So I'm uh. glad, actually, I'm glad he didn't bring it for my health purposes. <laughs> so Jordan really is really caring for my health. So I really appreciate that. About so him. two weeks from now, we'll have it because we've got uh, some fun stuff next week planned that we'll talk more about a little bit later. That'll be a fun week down in Eugene. But two weeks from now. We'll have a little Stanford bet. Yeah, we'll yeah. have a little Stanford, Oregon bet on that. Okay, okay. I like it. You got it. I like it. Jordan. Do you have to give a speech next week when you're inducted into the Oregon Athletics Hall of Fame? No, I don't. What it is, actually, is they're going to have Jerry Allen and um, I I can't remember who the other person joining him will be, but they're going to actually interview you. So they'll bring up each inductee for the Friday night celebration, and then they'll kind of just do an interview and ask him some questions. And it's kind of a good idea. I think they do that does a good job of kind of controlling how long each person will go because I could just – I could see myself being very long-winded, probably, in that <laughs> no. situation. You got, no. a lot of pe- you got a lot of people to thank. I got three. I got three times the coaches and teammates and trainers to thank in that situation. But um, it's gearing up to be a really fun weekend. When you look at the fact that it's Hall of Fame, students are back in town. There's a football reunion, and you've got obviously Stanford and yeah. just everything surrounding that game with a nighttime kickoff. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better weekend to celebrate something like this. Congratulations! Hey, I, thank I, you, my I, man. No, sir, that I appreciate was super, that. super stuff. Congratulations. Yeah. We, yeah, Neil, you're a college football Hall of Famer. You're an Oregon Sports Hall of Famer, a PSU Athletic Hall of Famer. What's your advice to Jordan next week? Yeah, it was a pretty special time. Well, he's he's so humble here. <laughs> he is. He's humble. But he's, you got to be pride. The family's going to be very prideful for him, and you should be. And, and you'll be humble, and you'll be very thankful. I mean, look at the list of athletes at Oregon. Yeah. I mean, really. Um, you know, I went in really quick. I went in with Walter Payton. Uh, wow. Jackson. Eddie, Eddie Robinson from Grambling wow. got in that year. Um, it was a great class to meet one of my all-time idols in Walter Payton. It was pretty, it was, what a thrill. Jackson State? Yes, that's the right. FCS Player of the Year's award is named after him. I only know that just because I like <laughs> FCS football. <laughs> Whatever. All right, Neil Lomax, uh, we'll be taking care of this show for the next uh, hour and 45 minutes, up to 2 o'clock. Jordan Kent, congratulations to you again, my friend. 
And uh, we'll look forward to next week when you have the Oregon College Football Show with Brian Perkins at yeah. 1 o'clock Saturday ahead of Ducks and Cardinal. Come on, I love baby. it. A real Come game. On. Not like a real game, but like a real, real game we're going to talk yeah. about. It'll be exciting. Perkins, appreciate you, man. Love it. <laughs> Love it. That's my take for the segment. Love it. <laughs> All right. More countdown to kickoff is coming up next. Myself and Neil Lomax. Thanks to Brian Perkins. Thanks to Jordan Kemp for the Oregon College Football Show. This is all part of Oregon College Game Day each and every Saturday at 7 a.m. only on 1029 and 750 The Game. Well, we thought it was going to be an uneventful morning for week three college football scores. Didn't anticipate anything big to happen until the 1230 games. Could not be more wrong. You have Willie Taggart and Syracuse getting shut out in the, or Willie Taggart and FSU getting shut out by Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. And Scott Frost and Nebraska are 0-2. With a home loss to Troy. Final. 24-19. Troy defeats the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And for the first time since 1957, Nebraska is 0-2. Neil Lomax joins me. I'm Jude Danube on Countdown to Kickoff. Neil, what is happening? Like What's well, college football? What is happening? I, I love college oh, football. Man. You don't think the parity would be as much. You'd say more in the pros. Yep. Uh, it's been that way for years and years and years. In the pros, you got to flip. It's a coin toss in, in, in the pro ranks in the NFL every week picking them. But in college, you'd figure, okay, Troy, you go by the spread. I think it was nine and a half at Vegas, something like that. But that, again, that's who, who knows. And here's these teams, these uh, FCS teams, these football championship series teams that love to play ball, love to get these game checks. And it hasn't been the first time. It won't be the last time. But man, that, the, I mean, again, the big surprise to me though, Florida State. I mean, Florida State with Dungey out. I mean, they, Syracuse loses their starting quarterback. And it's, it, it, and it's Florida State. So the image alone there gives you it's going to be a great game. They're being shut out in the Carrier Dome out Syracuse. And, boy, there's a lot of unhappy donors <laughs> and Seminole alumni right now. Um, um, Coach Bowden is just rolling over going, what's going on? Is, is it possible to be – I mean, I don't want to rush to judgment, but you're talking about Willie Taggart got handled at home by Vautech. Barely was able to escape Samford in Week 2. Now is going to lose in the Carrier Dome. I mean, if you make a big, big hire like that, I know there's buyout clauses and all that stuff, but what's it going to take? Can, can a guy lose his job if he underperforms in his first year at a big program like FSU, or is, is Willie going to see year two? Well, as I said before last week, you got to take a deep breath, and it is week, it is week three, but that you're right. The Sanford game was right. a concern. Uh, no question, opening night, huge national audience, VTech. The performance there was not acceptable, and that's the first time I've actually heard Willie Taggart actually kind of kind of blame others, the officials, uh, the pace. situation, this yeah. and that, and the penalty called here and there, uh, without taking responsibility. But he's going to take. I, I'm not looking forward to hearing what he's going to say, taking full responsibility for this uh, debacle up in Syracuse. And no, no, you'll, you'll get the year, no question, you'll get the year. And then he's going to say, "Well, I got it's my. It's not these are my, aren't my recruits. Yeah, give me two or three years to recruit." I mean, the Chip Kellys, they will say that, and they have a right to say that. Uh, 80% of these kids aren't their kids. But it's Florida State, and you barely got by Sanford. You did. And you're at Syracuse, and you're playing like this. I mean, no points, nine penalties. There were nine penalties in the first half. That's on execution. That's on them. And that's disheartening, to say the least, if you're a Seminole fan. Well, and Willie Taggart's slogan all along has been, Blame no one, make no excuses, do something. 
through three games, I mean, you can point to the opposite of every single one of those. <laughs> Made excuses against Vaughn Tech, Samford. We'll see what he says after getting drubbed by Syracuse, but it's getting out of control for Slick Willie. All right, rapid-fire big game breakdown, Neil. We'll be joined by Tyson Alger of The Athletic coming up in a few minutes as well. Oregon-San Jose State, the Ducks are ranked in the top 20 for the first time since... The Alamo Bowl with Vernon Adams. So it's been a couple of years. Obviously, we don't remember that game fondly if you're a Duck supporter. After a 31-0 lead, you blew at halftime. But number 20, Oregon, hosting Brent Brennan and the San Jose State Spartans. Two o'clock kick on the Pac-12 Network. Third exhibition game. That's how I'm looking at it. Here's Mm -hmm. here's the third one in a row at home. Uh, The big boys come to town next week. It starts. The real real season to start. So uh, expectations are the same. I think you're going to see the same. You're going to see 60, 70 points scored. I mean, look, you look at statistically San Jose State, they're as if not the same as a Portland State team. I mean, they rank 100, what, 130th or 125th in defense, 128th in passing defense. There's only 130 schools, okay, <laughs> in, 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 the, in the FBS. So this is pretty, pretty poor San Jose State football team coming to Autzen. I don't expect a lot. I expect seeing the same thing I've been seeing the last two, two weeks. Yeah. If I don't see that, I'm going to be very disappointed. I, mean, I think they're going to roll. Uh, young players are going to play, I think, w- with Jordan Kent in an earlier segment. This is a great chance to play other guys earlier. Maybe don't wait to the fourth quarter because this is not like the NFL. You want to keep, okay, play the first two games and then sit your guy out because you're waiting for the starting game. But in a lot of ways, I want to see a lot of these younger players get in third quarter, second player, second mm-hmm. quarter, see what they can do. But, man, statistically, you're looking at San Jose State. I'm looking at my notes here. It's Oh, boy. It's going to get ugly. It, 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 it should be ugly right yeah. away. Um, All right. But. San Jose State's getting $1.6 million from this game. Beavers at Nevada, 4 o'clock. Is this the day that the Beavers snap their 20-game road losing streak? I'm saying no. I, I, sorry, fans. I'm just saying no. no. Any other questions? I agree with you, actually. I got. I don't think Oregon State's defense is ready to hold to hold up on the road. They can score points. They're number one in the Pac-12 in rushing through two games, though they did lose Artavis Pierce. Jamar Jefferson, true freshman. Kids got wheels. It's going to be fun to watch him go, but I don't think the Beaver defense is ready to hold up against Nevada's offense. Well, we'll see if Ty Gangi had anything to say about that. He is a really good quarterback, the quarterback mm-hmm. for, for the Wolfpack. You know, it's interesting, both Luton and Gangi, a couple little interesting tidbits here. They both came from uh, Ventura Community College. So Luton came wow. out in 2016, and the next year Ty Gangi comes out Goes Nevada in, in 15. I'm sorry. He was in 15. Jake Luton came out in 16. So both those guys know each other very well. Played at Ventura College. A lot of history here, too. Uh, you know, I, I The big thing about Oregon State, the rushing attack, is so important, especially against this. We've been talking about this little 3-3-5 defense some of these schools use. And basically, it's just trying to get six guys in the box and different angles and different adjustments, different techniques. Hmm. So I'm mean, curious to see how they match up pass protection-wise because they will have to pass. Against that stunting three-three, it's an odd little defense. Because it's for, so fans, take a look at what they do. It's not just your normal four guys down, two linebackers. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do there. But uh, you know what? They're ranked twentieth in the country in rushing, though the Beavers are. So give them credit for that. Ohio State and putting that on last week, Southern Utah. Um, again, I'm looking forward to seeing what Connor Blount, Jake Luton, who gets who gets the majority of the snaps in this game. And Jamar Jefferson coming off that 238 yard rushing performance last week and four touchdowns. Third highest single game total. Uh, quickly, before we go out to break, Portland State, College of Idaho, PSU, debuting at home at Hillsborough Stadium. 
coming up at uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon, Neil. Yeah, they're playing the Coyotes. Here we go. Come on, man. Let's go. Come on down. <laughs> so let's just, let's just take, a, take a break here. You're going to go, okay, so you played Oregon down at Austin Stadium, and then you're back at Hillsborough Stadium. There's like 75,000 people down there at Austin. It was excellent. What an atmosphere. <laughs> and then you're at Hillsborough Stadium, and hopefully there's the Viking faithful were there, a couple thousand or more, and playing the Idaho Coyotes. Mike Morowski's the coach. Known him for a long, long time. But, man, Portland State's had 134 points scored in the last two weeks. 134. Is this a get-right Ouch. game, though? That, that was kind of us scoring against other people when That's I was right. playing. So it, it, to see that against my own boys here. And, you know, they, they've lost the last 15 games. So this is the day they turn that around. They beat the College of Idaho by 30, 35 points. Now, go let's, Vikes! Let's go Vikes! Get that first win. In the meantime, Syracuse is in the paint again. About to go up on Slick Willie, 30 to 7 late in the fourth quarter. Oh my goodness. Talk more about that coming up. Tyson Alger of The Athletic. He'll join us to break down the Ducks in San Jose State and much more. You've got countdown to kickoff. Chutanubi Neil Lomax on 1029, 750. The game. Let's go! <laughs> Tell you, I love Jet on a Saturday, man. I'm pretty sure this song was on the Madden 2004 soundtrack. Madden 2004, by the way, you can go back and play with the classic St. Louis Cardinal teams, the '80s. Play a little Neil Lomax at quarterback. Did you ever play? Play? Uh, we, had, we had Cool in the Gang, and you know, <laughs> the Commodores. That was going on in the locker room there, man. That, that was going on, and then getting off the field, they'd kick us off the field because the baseball team had to have batting practice. So what's a higher priority in that city? Yeah, the baseball team and the football team. There's no, there's no lie. We're like three-quarters way down to practice. One of the baseball managers come, hey, by the way, we're going to take some early batting practice. you got to get the field. Oh, okay, sure. We're just, we're just playing the Giants on Sunday. No problem. No, no big deal. Tyson Alger of The Athletic is joining us now. Uh, Tyson, what's up, my friend? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great, guys. How are we doing today? Good, man. Hey, did you play Madden uh, back in the day? Yeah, I uh, I think I had maybe like a one through like oh four or 05. like up until they started to like dumb down like fix attributes and you couldn't just run like crazy with them all the time. Uh, that's that's what that's what that's when I lost interest, you know. Madden two thousand four had Michael Vick on the front and like you could just backpedal like a twenty step drop and then just run around and beat everybody in the end zone. It was not fair. So who's two thousand one? So two thousand one Tyson that came out. This is is that the first I, year? I, I, was was 2001 like Eddie George on the cover? Yeah, or Eddie George like... was on the cover. I think. Uh, yeah, in 2002, I can't remember. I remember McNabb was 06, Falk was 03, Vic was 04. But Madden games go I, back I, to the I, 90s. I, I think 2002 might have been Dante Culpepper. You just you uh, nailed it, Alger. Dante Culpepper. Yes, you nailed it. So was, yeah, was it was it Tyson? Was it kind of like the Sports Illustrated Jinx too? If you're on Madden back in those days, did they have a very? Do you remember if those players had a decent season? Uh, I'm pretty sure there was a cover Jinx for that too, but yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I I can't I can't guarantee it. You know, this is uh, this is obviously an unfortunate hole in my coverage that I didn't prepare for. Well, so. come on, <laughs> when you're hanging around with me, I throw these curveballs, a lot of curveballs. Uh, yeah. Well, Tyson, I appreciate the time, man. That's all we needed. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. I'll see you next week. Tyson Alger, The Athletic, joining us. Countdown to kickoff. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax. All right, Tyson, uh, we're calling this the third exhibition game for the Oregon Ducks. I mean, is there anything in particular that you feel like the Ducks need to check off their checklist that they haven't done all- already? 
no. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I think today is, is definitely about, uh, you know, getting, getting out there, getting, getting the win and, uh, getting out healthy. I mean, at, at this point, you know, I don't really know what Oregon can do that's going to like, uh, change my opinion about, about anything or, or anything that's going to impress me. Uh, I, I would be concerned if Justin Herbert came out and threw like eight interceptions, but, but that's just not going to happen against a team. You know, they're favored to win by 41 and a half points. Uh, they've looked awfully good in the first two weeks against inferior uh, competition. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe the one thing I would look at is uh, maybe a, a few less early drops from wide receivers. But other than that, uh, you know, I, I think this is a game where uh, I'd like to be able to see maybe Braxton Burmeister and Tyler Shuck throw the ball a couple of times instead of just kind of uh, handing off in, uh, in, in garbage time. But overall, this is kind of a, uh, all right, let's tidy things up and get out of this week and get on to Stanford. Tyson Alger joining us. Uh, Syracuse leads Florida State thirty to seven. Tyson, what? <laughs> oh, oh, I, I, I haven't been paying attention. So, oh my gosh! <laughs> but without without Eric Dungey, Eric Dungey left early second quarter. Yeah, elbow. So, I mean, Eric Dungey has been seventy five percent of their entire offense for the first two weeks. Uh. He's been he's been going nuts. Uh, athletic quarterback from the Lake Oswego area, and they're putting. 30 30 on Florida State and Florida State's only scored seven points and they've had 15 penalties 15 man you, you know like through, through these three weeks I mean a how much better does Jim Levitt look uh, now even you know you, you see a Willie Taggart not that Willie Taggart was the defensive minded coach but uh, you know, I don't think Florida State's, you know, allowing that many points uh, to Syracuse if they have Levitt down there. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, all of kind of Taggart's former staff that are still here in Eugene are looking better, uh, you know, by proxy because, I mean, boy, what a, could you have a more disastrous first three weeks down in Tallahassee than Taggart's had? I mean, it's, yeah. been, it's been really bad. <laughs> I mean, they struggled mightily in their only win over Samford as well. And then, oh, man, I, I can't believe – that this is what's happening. I feel like Duck fans, you know, thanks to the three wins over Cupcakes and now watching Willie Taggart struggle, arguably the bigger story in this state is is Willie rather than how good Oregon is. Yeah, and, and in retrospect, it also kind of makes me wonder how Oregon would have done if they would have kept the, the former staff intact, mm. uh, you know, following that 4-8 four, four season or whatever it was because – I, I do think a lot of their success last year, and we obviously saw it when he was injured, was, hey, you can win a lot of games when you have a really, really, really good quarterback in there, and that's something that Mark Helfrich didn't really have uh, his, his season before that, and obviously you can you can put some of that blame on him, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, his, Mark Helfrich's legacy is going to be in the, he's the guy who found Marcus Mariota, and, you know, he, he's the one who ended up giving the keys over to Justin Herbert. It was just kind of bad timing overall. Uh, kind of for the legacy of his career. <laughs> Tyson Alger joining us. Well, yeah, yeah, athletic. my comment was, Tyson, you make a good point about Jim Levitt and the staff and all that, but also talent. Everybody has talent. I mean, Florida State has five stars and four stars, and Oregon has four stars and five stars. And I, I'm personally, I, I'm, I think that's all overrated. Way blown out of proportion with these high school kids coming out. Yeah, you'll get two or three of them that legit are that kind of a player, but I'm watching, quote, these talented athletes on Florida State perform. And 
I got to give credit to the Oregon athletes and what the coaches are doing there. To me, not just Jim Lev, but the athletes and players that Oregon has, it's, it's just far superior than what I'm seeing on Florida State. Oh, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, you know, th- this was a Florida State team that had a, a, a quote-unquote town base that was worth being a top 25 team at the start of this year. I think they were number 19 or something like that. So they obviously have bodies down there. But I really, really like the cohesion of this Oregon team. I mean, th- this is a team that I think the, co- the coaching staff has them all moving together as one unit. Uh, you know, you, you, even just like uh, simple things, like we've seen penalties cut dramatically yep. so far this year. That, that, that's been a yep. big, big, key, big success these first three, uh, two weeks going into the third week. Oregon was the most penalized team in the country last season. So I, I, I really kind of like that uh, cohesion that this Oregon team has. And, and yeah, Justin Herbert is a potential number one pick in the NFL draft, but you, you do have a team that I think overall is is has the ability to play outside of its means and because I, I mean I can't think of hardly any uh, you know absolutely like world beating recruits that Oregon got that are on this exact roster but uh, they're they're certainly shaping up for uh, what could be a really fun season. Tyson Alger of The Athletic joining us. Tyson, you wrote a piece this week talking about uh, what is potentially the biggest problem for Oregon ranked number 20. They, you say it might be boredom. Boredom might be the biggest problem. How do the Ducks keep from getting bored in this game? Well, I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't write that headline, but, I mean, it's kind of what I was getting at. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I think this is just a, a kind of a continuation of, uh, you know, you, you just clean stuff up, make sure everything's perfect in this game. You know, make sure, you know, if, if Justin Herbert is only playing half the game, make sure that every single play for that half is, is worth it and gets him up to speed for what they're going to be facing next week against Stanford. Uh, I mean, this is it, – it, I – there's a lot of anticipation for next week. I mean, it's going to be the biggest game we've had in Eugene probably since, you know, the Michigan State game uh, of several years back. It, mm-hmm. It's just been a, a really dull last three years for this Oregon program, so it's easy to look past it. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think the thing that is taken for granted a little bit, and it's, it's not helped by, you know, us media members who, who call these games easy and a cupcake and whatever, but... <laughs> Or, or, or Oregon and the players still have to prepare and, and execute to win this game, and, and I, I don't think that's something that should ever be taken lightly. It's just if Oregon executes the way that they want them to do, they're going to win this game going away, and, and, and I think that's what they. Uh, I think that's what's going to happen. But uh, you know, it's it's just uh, from from a fan's perspective, three straight weeks of these. It's uh, I, I don't. I don't blame anybody for uh, getting in, uh, anticipated for next week's matchup. Yeah, and we are all excited about that, Tyson. I, I'm the expert here, so last week, let me just tell you about my picks. So I picked, <laughs> I picked USC to beat Stanford, okay? I, okay. Picked, I picked BYU to beat Cal. So I'm the expert here, but I, I was surprised <laughs> going back to the USC game, what I saw. Am I more disappointed in USC, or am I more excited about Stanford? I, I, I think my thing with Stanford is I think you're going to get a more consistent consistent pattern throughout the year with Stanford. I, you know, it's it's that's a really well coached team. I mean, you you kind of know how Stanford's uh, schemes and fundamentals work. I think USC is going to have a couple really good games this year where they look fantastic, and then they're going to have a couple clunkers. I mean, what what did they only get three points last week? That's kind of crazy. Right. 
uh, for, for, for a team that has that much talent on it. But then again, I could see them in a few weeks, you know, playing a, a bad Pac-12 defense and putting up 40 or 50 points. They're, they're just a, a weird team in, in kind of a, in a position where you have a lot of talent, but it might be peaking and bowing at, at have more moments than you would get with a consistent Stanford. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised. And I said this uh, on Tuesday's show with John Canzano. You know, you got JT Daniels. They're they're in Austin, Texas. I mean, if that game's ten to ten, uh, thirteen to thirteen, third quarter, I'm Clay Helton. I, I'm I'm calling. I'm picking up the phone and calling the bullpen. Hey, if this kid can't do what we think he can do, maybe it's time to. You know, you're not going to send him back to Martyr Day. I mean, I wouldn't do that, but I would at least maybe give give the kid a take a deep breath, go clean your room, and and then find someone else because it's not it's not USC to to go and lose to this Texas team. It could be a tough week three for USC. Yeah, not not only that, but like they're in a Pac-12 South division too, where uh, I mean. Obviously, Arizona State's looking better than we initially anticipated, but I think right now the North is by far and away the tougher tougher division in the Pac-12 with Washington, Stanford, and Oregon all looking like three strong horses there. Um, you know, I, I think Utah's going to be a decent team, but USC's in a position where if they do need to make a quarterback change where they feel like they can win that division, they might have a little bit of wiggle room to do that and, and still be able to kind of feel that division out and, 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 and win it and be able to get to the Pac-12 title game because I just don't think the South is as strong as the North right now. Hmm. Last thing for you, Tyson, uh, what's your prediction on, on today's game down in Austin as Oregon gets ready for San Jose State? Uh, I'm going to say 41 and a half to zero. <laughs> that's a cover. Yeah. <laughs> the line currently at Oregon minus well, that's 41. The first, that's the first half score. 40, oh, right. yeah, 41 to yeah. nothing. Yeah. I don't know where you get the no, half I'm, from. I'm, These guys I'm, get being I'm, funny. I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to say it's going to be uh, – I, I, I'm not going to predict anything. I'd like to see. I'd like to see uh, Oregon keep it below ten points, though, on on the defensive end. I think they could do that this week. So. Well, yeah. you make a good point that the Ducks haven't had a shutout since 2012 when they shut out Arizona. Read that in your piece on the Athletic today. And, uh, San Jose State just got shut out by Washington State last week. Yep. So we'll see if uh, you know good defensive efforts in store. Tyson, it's good to talk to you, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, guys. Enjoy the game. There it is, Tyson Alger, Madden football connoisseur, just like the rest of us <laughs> of The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter, at Tyson Alger. Coming up, we'll get some audio cuts, the best audio cuts from coaches around the conference. Plus, what did Willie Taggart say after the loss against Syracuse? Oh, man, it could be messy. We'll get Neil Lomax's reaction to the top audio cuts from coaches around the conference. Coming up with Coach B, Chris Miller will join us at 1 o'clock. We'll also get a live hit from the UC Davis-Stanford game. We'll go live to Reno with Nick Daschle of the Oregonian as well. Big show. Countdown to kickoff. Chudanubi, Neil Lomax on 102.9, 7.50 the game. Watch the Ducks and San Jose State, 2 p.m. Pac-12 Network. And then after the game, tune in to 101.1 FM, just a few ticks down the FM dial. That's our sister station, KXL. Myself, Neil Lomax, will have your full post-game reaction from Ducks, San Jose State, however predictable it may be. And we'll also let you sound off on Willie Taggart's 1-2 and two start after getting blown out at Syracuse today. 30-7. to uh, to seven. That's amazing. Well, they're kind of 0-2-1. I mean, the Sanford game... To me, they, they, that's, it's a tie. It's not a win. I mean, that was a struggle going to the fourth. That's uh, right. I saw the, the story on that and the box score and some access, some, an editorial written by 
when the Tallahassee reporters about like I kind of like the, the headline was, "Are you kidding me?" You know, but no, we're not now. It's <laughs> I think you have more response from Oregon Duck fans about what happens, what happens with Willie Taggart than playing this game against San Jose State today. I agree. So tune in for our post-game show right after final whistle of the Duck game on KXL for that. Uh, Time for Coach Speak. Neil, I'm going to play some cuts from this week in press conferences, conference calls with some of the coaches around the Pac-12 and the country. Let's lead it off with Herm Edwards, who led ASU to the upset of Michigan State. I know you were making fun of your picks from last week. This is one you nailed right on the head, my friend. You had ASU upsetting MSU. Herm Edwards speaking this week on proving his doubters wrong. I just feel I'm happy for the players and the coaching staff. Um, you know, I, I didn't come back to coach for, uh, for for one reason, for one reason only, my, my passion for the game of football. I had a, numerous opportunities to come back. It was never the right fit for me. But I don't, I don't get involved in the outside elements. I really don't. Uh, I kind of know who I am. I, I value the decisions I make. When I make a decision, I commit to something. and I was fully committed to doing this. A lot was made of Herm Edwards taking over this job, Neil, but I know you were impressed watching him on the sideline taking ASU to the upset of Mark D'Antonio. A complete, controlled, confident CEO. That's what he reminded me. I, we, we planned. We prepared. The players are playing. That's what it is, and he was up and down the sidelines just making sure I'm managing what I can control, and my coaches are coaching, my players are playing, and that's what I saw out of Herm Edwards, and I've known him for a while, and I thought he's a great entertainer on ESPN. He's got that. Come on. That's what yeah. you do. It's an entertainer. Uh, he's got the personality uh, to be a collegiate coach because he's going to get in the living room. You have that guy come in the living room and meet mom and dad? Uh, I, I, I don't want to send my kid there if he has that kind of enthusiasm. And it's true. It's not something fake out of him. He's truly there. He can do anything he wants. This, like I will ever say, he knows who he is. Um, so... God bless you, Herm Edwards. You guys, that was a really good football game that night. Late night one, really good football game, and they pulled it out. Late. Good for you, and good luck going to San Diego now. San Diego State, running back you. Watch out. That's Herm Edwards' alma mater as well. Yeah. Mario Cristobal talking about his left guard, Shane Lemieux, through two weeks. Shane Lemieux has graded out as one of the best offensive linemen in the entire country. Mario Cristobal raving about his leader on the O-line. Everyone knows I love that guy. He, he plays football the way it's meant to be played. Guy's a relentless competitor who's, like, his threshold for work is insane. Like, we track how much of a workload a guy has, and it's, it, all, it measures what you do. So if your effort levels go higher, so do your numbers. And this guy is, this guy is, God, what's, what's the craziest animal? This guy's got Jurassic Park-like numbers. If you put a monitor on one of those animals out there, that's what he has. He is relentless as a competitor. He's a professional about how he approaches the week. The way he prepares, the way he watches film, the way he practices, the way he takes care of his body, um, the way he rounds up younger guys and teaches them and mentors them. I mean, this guy, is, he's, he's what you want. He's what you want your guys to be all the time. Neil, how important is it to have a leader on the O-line that leads by example and is also just as good as a guy like Shane Lemieux is? From a quarterback, that's got to be so valuable. I don't think I've ever heard a head coach, even the offensive line coach, Talk about a player, his own player like that. And we're not talking about Troy Dye or Justin Herbert here or Tony Brooks James. We're talking about an offensive lineman. And 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 I have the utmost respect, believe me, for the offensive lineman. Right. They are the foundation. But Shane Lemieux to get those kind of comments 
And I look at Panay Sewell, I look at Calvin Throckmorton, that whole offensive line is kind of this bonded, this, this band of brothers. They are. And this, 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 they'll take this team as far as they want to go. And everybody's giving praise and to Justin, but uh, Coach Cristobal, I, I, I admire you for saying those kind of things about an offensive guard. And he's a young man, but to say that he has that work ethic and that workout level of a high elite athlete, um, that's incredible. It's going to inspire all the little skill kids who kind of think they deserve all the, I work out hard, I'm in great shape, I'm catching touchdowns. Uh, for him to rally those other guys to perform, this is an offensive guard. Um, that's impressive. And, uh, hey, God bless you, Shane Lemieux and uh, Mario Cristobal, for pointing that out. Last one. Chip Kelly is 0-2. He enters week three as a home underdog to Jeff Tedford, Marcus McMarion, and Fresno State. This is Chip. Obviously, they're really diversified on the offensive side of the ball. They kind of run a lot of different things. Jeff's been around for a long time and is a really, really, really good offensive coach. So he's going to present a lot of uh, things that um, – can stress you defensively, so we have to be prepared for all of it. You know, some teams you come in, they're just one version of it, and you got to prepare for that. But he's going to be in multiple offensive formations, uh, multiple personnel groups, and I think that makes things a little bit harder to defend. Their quarterback can run, um, so you also have that threat of the the quarterback not only as a passer but as a uh, as a runner. What a storyline, Chip against Tedford and the former Beaver Marcus McMarion. Yeah, the Cal, the old Cal Duck days, huh? And, well, they don't have Derek or David Carr. They don't have Trent <laughs> Dilfer at Fresno State, but they got Marcus McMarion. It's going to be kind of fun to watch. We're going to get predictions for that game, all the other games in the Pac-12 as well. But, Neil, we're going to talk to Chris Miller on the other side. You booked this interview, man. I, I'm looking forward to hearing this conversation between two former NFL quarterbacks still here in the Portland metro area. Chris Miller and Neil Lomax talking football on the other side. Countdown to kickoff on the game. Welcome to Countdown to Kickoff, part of Oregon College Game Day with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax. Presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on 1029 and 750 The Game. Week three, baby. T-minus one hour between uh, Ducks San Jose State. Countdown to kickoff, Judah Newby, Neil Lomax. Going to uh, the line right now, talking to good friend of Neil's, former uh, NFL quarterback himself, the one and only Chris Miller, joining us on the line right now. And uh, Chris, thanks so much for taking the time to join us on Countdown to Kickoff. How are you? I'm doing good. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. What's up, Neil? <laughs> hey, doing good, Chris. I just, I just called Chris about. Oh, yeah, I'm on now. There, there you go. Am. I'm taking a break here, kind of watching the. Uh, <laughs> Boise State, turn Oklahoma the, State, yeah, yeah, Get come on now. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> it's great though because Ju- Judah here texted me earlier. Goes, yeah, Aliotti's out. Who do you got? I'll call Chris. He'll be all right. He'll be going to game and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh, so, hey, so I'm a backup? I'm a B-lister? No, no, no. You're our first option. <laughs> he's, the de- he's, he's the defensive guy, Chris. You're the offensive yeah. guy. Uh-huh. And we're going to see some offensive fireworks again in the exhibition number three for the Ducks. We've got through week yeah. one, week two. Here comes exhibition game number three. You're ta- you know, Jordan Kent and I were talking about, is this a good thing? Uh, Oregon's had three of these Let's face it. I mean, everybody calls them couple just exhibition kind of games, and then you yeah. got Stanford yeah. um, the next week. Your, your take on that? Well, you know, I think it's maybe good to have one or two uh, quote unquote exhibition games, but you'd like to play a dog in there. You know, you'd like to play a good team where where you got to maybe get into uh, you know a dog fight, some tough situations, maybe playing behind towards the end of the game, work on two minute 
pressure drives and kind of feeling that intensity of, of those close games. But unfortunately, Texas A&M pulled out on us, and we had to fill the schedule a little bit. I think you saw in our, our first game, you know, we got behind early, so that was a good situation for the guys to have to work, you know, coming from a 10-0 deficit, I believe it was. And, and some guys kind of getting their feet underneath them. You know, we had some receivers have several drops in week one. I really didn't watch the Portland State game last week, but – you know, we'll have Stanford, I believe, in week four. So, you know, you can't take San Jose State lightly. They've got a good coaching staff. I think they're a, a work in progress. But I guess it also helps, you know, build your depth and get a lot of guys on the field uh, with playing time. Chris Miller joining us on Countdown to Kickoff. Chris, you know a thing or two about what it's like to star at quarterback at Sheldon and go on to play at the University of Oregon. You're watching Justin Herbert do the same thing. Uh, what do you make of Justin's progression as a quarterback? And he's really seems to be hitting his stride here. Yeah, you know, number one, I've known Justin since about third or fourth grade, and his dad was my all-state wide receiver and free safety at Sheldon. So we go back many, many years, so it's nice to see people you know and local kids uh, succeed and do well. But I think Justin is a tremendous young man. You know, six six and a half, two thirty five. It's hard to teach, and he's got an NFL release. Uh, wonderful quick release, very accurate, a dynamic arm, and and he's a 4.0 student or thereabouts. Uh, you know, his uh, mom, Holly, and Mark are both very academic-oriented, and all three of their boys do excellent in the classroom. So, you know, he checks all the boxes. Uh, he runs like a kind of a, a Vince Young style, maybe not quite as quick, so he, you know, he can get out and go when he needs to, but um, you know, I think if he, if he stays healthy, uh, you know, he'll have a phenomenal year. I think his wide receivers will catch up with his skill set and, and make some of those tougher catches you need them to make. But Justin's uh, right where he needs to be, and I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, watching him play today and then getting ready for the Pac-12 schedule. Yeah, and, and Chris, speaking of Sheldon, um, the, the, the farm club for the University of Oregon for the last 10, 15, 20 years, and when you were there, and if people don't know, Chris Miller, uh, head coach at Westland High School, uh, kind of my passion as well. Chris and I both love coaching high school kids. I'm doing it, and Chris is at Westland. You guys took on uh, Sheldon last night. Let's talk about that a little bit because you lost Ethan Long, who's going to Arizona State University, a great athlete, great kid. I know Ethan really well, involved with FCA. Yeah. And you saw another pretty studly quarterback that's going to come out of Sheldon and Michael Johnson, Jr. Yeah, you know, it was, a, it was an excellent game. It was a fun night, great atmosphere down there at Sheldon. Um you know, Ethan got hurt on the second series. We ran a little quick out to the right that he should have thrown, and the kid might have scored, but for some reason he didn't throw it. And uh, then he scrambled and, you know, got rolled up on, on the sideline. And, and we had another young man, Ethan Coleman, whose brother Tyson Coleman played at Oregon. Yes. came in and, and moved the club. And, you know, we actually got the lead a couple times and had a couple opportunities late to tie it up. But uh, Michael Johnson on the other side, um, his first game back, you know, he's a difference maker. He's a good-looking kid in the pocket, stands tall. He's about 6'4", 195, 200, and, and the kid can really run. He's probably about a 4'4", 8'4", 5'5", kid. So I think he ran for about 109, 110 or so yards. And Very poised young man, very talented. And, and then Patrick Herbert, their tight end defensive end, is a difference maker. he got a lot of other people. Uh-oh, cell service. There you go. Chris doesn't pay his bill. That may be Penn State got a good one, man. He's, uh, he's going to be a good one for them. Chris Miller joining us here on uh, Countdown to Kickoff. Chris, you've coached at all sorts of different levels, been coaching in the NFL. Now, of course, you're, you're doing awesome work with West Lynn. You know, what is it about coaching at the high school level that's so rewarding to you? 
Well, I think, number one, the kids are so genuine. I mean, they're so sweet. You know, they're such good kids. I think their parents and middle school coaches have done a really good job with them. They're very humble and very appreciative for the time and the effort that we give them, and, and they give it to us, uh, you know, tenfold. And, uh, you know, Friday night football is the most genuine form of sport there is. It's not big business. It's not about dollars and cents. And, uh, you know, it's just about the, the high school experience and going out on Friday nights and, the student body and the kids and the environment and the atmosphere. And so it just makes it very enjoyable. And I think for us, for Neil and I and the coaches that do it, it puts us in a leadership and mentorship role where we can help prepare them for the next step. So, you know, it's a win-win all the way around. He, he's exactly right. It's, it's our passion. I think a lot of people don't understand that. We can do other things, but we have that passion for it. And Chris understands all of a sudden your purpose too. That's your purpose with these young boys because they're boys. They're 15, 17, Eight, you know, that, that age, Chris, is so formable and so moldable, and you've seen quite a change. I mean, what you've done there with that program these last years has got to be very rewarding, not just for you, but for the student body and the entire community. Well, I think it really has, Neil. You know, number one, we're blessed to be in the position we are to be a head coach out of high school, and the Westland community is a very unique community. It's very close-knit. I think there's about 30,000 people or so in the city of Westland, and uh, you know, it's family-oriented, which is fun. You know, it's kind of that uh, Christian uh, mentality and that perspective we have. And, you know, these kids will give you everything they got and more. And uh, so it's fun to, you know, pay it forward, uh, take some of the experiences that we had as college players and professional athletes and coaches and and uh, pay it forward to them, but make it a fun experience for them. You know, put them up on a pedestal and lift them up to be successful and and uh, make it a, a lifetime memorable experience that they can carry through and make them a better human being and a better person. That's what it's all about. Hey, Chris, we're both quarterbacks. We always talk about offense. want you to tell us about who you've been impressed with with the Ducks defensively, uh, secondary, some of the linebackers. We've talked about Jalen Jelks. Uh, I like Lamar Winston Jr. I know he's hurt. The kid from Central Catholics played really well. Troy Dye. Who have you yeah. been? Because we've been taught at an early age, you know, in quarterbacks, don't don't spend so much time watching your own guy. Watch the defense. Watch, go with the defense coordinator. What's going on defensively? Who you've been impressed with? Well, you know, Neil. To be honest, I haven't watched the games that close. I went out to my good friend Billy Musgrave's uh, home opener in Denver last weekend uh, against Seattle. So I was out there last weekend and missed the Portland State game. But I like uh, Brady Breeze in the back end. I think is playing very well. Uh, you mentioned Die and Jelks and. You know, we've got good athletes. I think we've got, we have good depth over there and good team speed. I know we're trying to get more of a physical presence. But I know we got that big, uh, big D tackle. Now, I can't remember what number he wears. Uh, 34. Yeah, I think 34. Yeah. yeah 30, Jordan, Jordan Scott is, is, is a big two-gapper, Chris. He is your yeah. legit two-gapper yeah, in there. So I think we're, we're preparing with those guys. I know Coach Cristobal wants to get bigger in the offensive and defensive lines and kind of bring some of that Alabama mentality because we need to match up with Stanford. We need to match up with the University of Washington. So I like seeing the local kids, so Winston and, and Breeze, and they're doing well. You know, Di, of course, is our, our leader on defense and an All-American candidate. And uh, Jelks has been a beast on the edge. But, uh, you know, we got a lot of talent over there. I think we're building some good depth in these first three weeks. And, and that bodes well for preparation for the Pac-12 grind. Yeah, and hey, Chris, first of all, too, you remember Charles Haley, right? You and I both remember Charles Haley, <laughs> right? Oh, Charles was insane. I, I five five Super Bowl championships. Okay, Charles so Haley. Justin Holland's <laughs> number eleven. He's a he's a little slider, skinnier version to me of a Charles Haley. So I know you haven't yeah. you've been seeing a. 
Coach Musgrave, seeing Billy, that's kind of cool. You get to travel. You get a chance today. Watch number 11 getting that jet nine technique, Chris. And <laughs> yeah. you're, I guarantee you, you and I would be swiveling our head all the time to our blind side. This guy, yeah, th- th- you know, you know, I remember playing against LT, and I know you did, Lawrence Taylor, back in 1988. Every time I dropped back, I took a peek over there to make sure he wasn't coming free. So. I will. Uh, I'll watch number eleven for sure today and focus right. on him. And we saw the uh, the list of San Jose State former athletes that played in the NFL. One of them was a guy that I think you threw some TDs to, Chris uh, Stedman Bailey. Stacy. Stacy Bailey. Stacey? Yeah, yeah Stacey his Bailey. kid I think That's, is yeah. Stedman. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Stacy Bailey, former Spartan great. Yeah, Stacy Bailey is awesome. I still see see Stacy during the off season doing football camps coaching, and he looks great. He's as lean as ever, and he was kind of on the tail end of his career when I came into the league. But uh, he was awesome. And uh, David Diaz Infante, a good friend of mine, mm. uh, was on the Super Bowl teams in Denver in '97, '98. Played at San Jose State as well. And uh, I think our season opener in 1986, my senior year, was at San Jose State. So. Uh, they've turned out some good players over the years, so it'll be interesting to see what Brian Brennan and that crew can do down there. Well, Marcus Arroyo actually played played quarterback for San Jose yeah, State. Yeah, I saw that picture, yeah. number 18, on yeah. Twitter the other day, uh, those old-school unions they had. Yeah, so there's some, uh, <laughs> there's some good bloodlines down there at San Jose. Chris Miller, hey, it's so good talking football and hearing you and Neil Lomax talk together. We're, we're going to have to do this again soon. Hey, I'd love to. Thank you guys for having me. Neil, keep up the good work, and uh, and uh, have a great weekend, fellas. All right. Enjoy the game, Chris. There it is. Thank you. Go Ducks. Go Ducks. There mm-hmm. Chris Miller. That's awesome stuff right there, man. You and uh, you and Chris. Next time we have him on, I mean, I love hearing your stories, Neil, from the 84 and 87 Pro Bowl. Love to get Miller's memories from the 91 Pro Bowl when he went. I mean, well, it's kind of cool too about what happened today was, you know, Nick has a family emergency or something he has to do. We had a little segment yeah. with with Nick Aliotti, and we were just talking about guys, it's a duck game, you know, and I just was wa- uh, reading Oregon Live about the Westland Sheldon game, classic high school football game with two great teams. And I'm like, Chris. And Chris, call me back. Yeah, sure, Neil. I'll be driving down there. That's so good. That's yeah, pretty cool stuff. That is fantastic. All right. Thanks to Chris Miller for joining us. At 1.30, we'll talk to Nick Dashell of the Oregonian, breaking down Beavers, Nevada. Coming up, we're going to do a game breakdown. Duck San Jose State. Believe it or not, there's some matchups to look into in this one. We'll do the same for Beavers, Nevada, and PSU College of Idaho. You might be making your way to Hillsborough Stadium right now. Go we'll Vikes! Break down all three of those matchups. Get you the latest on the top 25 in the Pac-12 action. A lot of big games going on. This is Countdown to Kickoff. Chuta newbie Neil Lomax, part of Oregon College Game Day on 1029, 750 the game. What a show we've had so far. Talk to Chris Miller about quarterbacking, about the Ducks. If you missed that, we'll podcast it. You can find it on 1029thegame.com a bit later. Also, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We'll talk to Nick Dashell of the Oregonian preview on Oregon State Nevada live from Reno coming up in uh, a few moments as well. And we'll see if we can't get down live to Stanford, Neil, on the farm because uh, I know we've got a bit of a personal connection coming up with UC Davis and the Cardinal. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Another good friend of mine who played quarterback at Portland State. His son is now uh, quarterback. I think he's athlete i think he's playing quarterback down at uc davis so we'll get that a little bit yeah we'll see if we can't uh, fire that up in the meantime san jose state and oregon neil and one of the questions i have coming into this game is the offensive line for oregon we know they're talented we know they're physical but the barometer to judge them is going to be stanford next week and definitely not san jose state this week is it going to be tough for them to kind of know who they are through 
three games that didn't really test them? Well, it's not just them. It's the entire it's the entire team. A lot of pressure on the, the, the front five, especially we just heard Coach Cristobal talk about uh, Shane Lemieux in the light of being one of the biggest, you know, the, the leader, his work ethic. And, again, I, as I said, I've, I've never heard a head coach talk about an offensive lineman um, in that way, in that respect, in that type of leadership role. So uh, I don't think he's concerned about those front five guys. Uh, either will we be at this point. It's going to be the skill kits. It's going to be the skill receivers, the four or five different backs who have touches, um, the wide receivers from Dylan Mitchell, Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red, Tabarian Hines, uh, the running backs, even from Tra- Travis Dye has played, C.J. Verdell, uh, TBJ, uh, Cyrus Habidi. There's, there's so many athletes touching the ball. You don't just have your 80 numbers that are your wide receivers and your 20 numbers. These guys spread out. So Stanford is actually be more concerned about Oregon and how they run their offense than Oregon is concerned about their defense. And, of course, Justin Herbert has played lights out. Ten total touchdowns through two games. Nine passing touchdowns. And how about this? There are four quarterbacks in the country going into this week that have at least four touchdown passes each of their first two games. Dwayne Haskins, Will Greer, Drew Locke at Mizzou, and Justin Herbert at University of Oregon. That's all to say, Neil, he's good enough, he's talented enough to make a Heisman run. Well, look, and it's still execution. I'm not going to downplay Portland State and downplay Bowling Green, and I'm not going to downplay San Jose State, but it's not Stanford. Mm-hmm. It's not the And I, I was shocked the way Stanford played USC last week. So if they're, they're going to bring that kind of talent, that kind of defense, and, and that type of atmosphere to Otson, this is going to be a ball game. And so I'm going to look forward to, okay, Justin, here comes the big boys. It's Pac-12 <laughs> now. It's, it's time to play. So what kind of numbers will put up in those games? You mentioned Stanford, and it's live radio, baby. We love this. Let's go to Stanford right now where Chris Crawford is at. Chris, your son Carson plays for UC Davis. It sounds like uh, a lot's going on down there. But what's the update, UC Davis and Stanford? Well, hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm right here, Stanford Stadium, 20-3. Uh, to 3 the tree over the Aggies <laughs> right now, uh, third quarter, 321 left. Um, Aggies have not been able to get any offense produced. Um, and Stanford is just well-coached team and disciplined. And they just got the ball back here with 321 uh, in the third. What are they on the uh, 42, their own 42? So we'll see what this drives. What comes up with this drive? All right, Chris Crawford. Hey, Neil Lomax here, Chris. So Chris is our sideline reporter. We spare no expense, yeah. folks, to send people down to these Pac-12 games live. And I'm sorry he's not a beautiful blonde doing the sideline reporting, but Chris, star quarterback at Portland State with Pokey Allen, had some great years there. Tell us about your little experience at Portland State. Uh, I had a great time. Portland State was one of the best times of my life, uh, four years. Played for Pokey, got recruited by Don Reed, but Pokey Allen took over and uh, great coaching staff, uh, great individuals that I played with a long, long time ago. We had a lot of fun. Oregon and Oregon State programs were down during that time, and um, we took full advantage of it. Pokey took full advantage of it with his marketing expertise and um Build up Civic Stadium, believe it or not. Civic Stadium calls back then. Yep. Providence Park now. Um, had a lot of fun, believe it or not. We had 15, 20,000 people rocking that place. 
uh, for Division Two football, but it was it was beautiful. Well, it's beautiful when you win too. You guys go to uh, what two national championship games, correct? With two national championship games, 87-88, quarterback couldn't get it done. Um, <laughs> but other than that, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and uh, we just couldn't close the deal two times. But I'll, I'll tell you what an experience to go play for a national championship down in Florence, Alabama. I don't care what division. Um, getting that opportunity is is pretty special. It was, and it was so fun to watch you. I remember in St. Louis, Chris, and watching you guys go play for the championship. And, yeah, you know, quarterbacks get way too much blame. We do. We get way too much blame for a lot. Hey, let's talk about Carson. Look at this. Uh, is it Jake? Is it Meyer or Mayer? What's the quarterback's name? Mayer. Mayer. He, he's, you know, he's, I hear he's really good. Uh, Dan Hawkins speaks highly of him. Met him last year when you guys played Portland State. But Carson's got in, right? He got in through a couple balls. I see he had three attempts. Talk to us. Inside, crowd's going a little wild there. Stanford just completed one for about 55 down to the two. Oh. Um, Carson. So Carson's been in the game, your yep. son, yep. from Beaverton High School. I mean, he's not he's not your 6'5", 235-pound quarterback. Well, you look at, look at where he came from. Um, <laughs> he is uh, vertically challenged, just like his old man. Uh, he's about 5'10 and a half, 168 pounds, played quarterback in high school. Um, and they recruited him as an athlete. He came down here uh, playing slot. Uh, he's 0 for – they have a few uh, reverses with passes. He's 0 for 2 today, Neil, throwing, um, which a little disappointing. i got to talk to him about keeping those gloves on when he throws. Uh, <laughs> oh, he takes he them off? Catch. Does he take them off when he's going to throw? That's not a tell. Oh, no, no, he didn't take them okay. off. Okay. <laughs> he, just, he just needs to go without the gloves. Oh. He's like a real man. Okay. <laughs> hey Chris, uh, last thing for you. You know what should the Oregon Ducks be expecting when they take on Stanford next week? Because you're on the sidelines at the farm right now, getting the experience of Stanford football up close and personal. I think uh, the Ducks. I think the Ducks are going to fare really well. Um, I don't know a lot about the Ducks. I haven't, you know, been following them too much. Um, Stanford is is very disciplined. I mean, I think you look. Over the years, Coach Shaw has them uh, prepared. Uh, they're, they're not, not going to wow you. They're going to run. They're going to keep a good balance. Uh, attack with Love. Love is, is, isn't even playing today. Uh, they're resting him. Um, so you're gonna get, I think you're going to get a lot of love in meeting him. And, uh, and, and, you know, the quarterbacks, you know, I think just, just good enough to spread it around. And, um, again, I don't think they're going to wow you with, being over athletic, and this is probably a poor judgment by me. I'll get a lot of feedback on this, but um, I, I think the Ducks will be fine. I think you know what what we've seen from the Ducks. I know that they started out with uh, maybe not the two toughest opponents, and it'll be the third toughest opponent uh, this, uh, this today uh, with San Jose State, which, uh, by the way, put a plug in Davis beat. Um, so that's right. I would say, I mean, you got every, every Pac-12 game, you got to come to play. And um, I think if Oregon executes the way they can execute, fly around uh, on defense, I think they're going to be just fine. Well, and I'm with you on this. Who, who cares about the Oregon Ducks when you're watching your son not just play high school but college? And I had the privilege of doing that myself, Chris, when you're there watching Carson play. He's got a carry. I know I don't know if that was a sack or not, but he's playing. 
you know what? He's playing college football, and there's only 3.2% of all high school kids can get to go play college football. 3.2% across the nation. And what a joy and privilege and honor it is for you to be there live with your wife and family watching your son play. Neil, don't get me wrong. I'm a very proud dad. I'm a very proud dad, and I say that tongue-in-cheek as far as when I talk about completing a pass. Uh, very proud of him. Guy that's worked his fanny off and, uh, you know, be, being small uh, but still being able to deliver and, uh, I think, be a great teammate. Uh, I'm very proud. So, yes, and le- just for clarification, I do care about the Ducks. It's just that not my, my, I don't. I don't care about the Ducks. I'm, I'm doing this dang radio show, Chris. I don't care about them. I, I, I love the Ducks. I love the Beavers. I love anything about Oregon. And why is Carson playing at D- in Davis? Uh, well, he loves the sunshine, and he's getting a damn good education. Yeah, so, that's right. Uh, it's really nice. Really nice. Chris Crawford, Portland State Hall of Famer, back-to-back national championship game. PSU quarterback, man. PSU quarterbacks in the house. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time down to Stanford. Appreciate it. Hey, gentlemen, thanks for including me. I appreciate it. Thanks, you guys Chris. have a great one. There it is. You too. Well, yeah, two so Chris's. You got Chris Miller, Chris Crawford. Chris, well, who else? Who's next? Who we got next? Yeah, Chris, Chris Dolman will come up later. Chris Dolman. How about that? Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, Atlanta Falcon. Wow. He lives in Atlanta. You know, I, uh, I, well, he sold his house in Atlanta to a family that I know personally. That's that's just a weird random connection. Played against but. Chris Dolman. No, that's that's a that's a blast from the past. We're gonna go talk to a Nick coming up next. Nick Dashell of the Oregonian covers the Beavers. He's in the Nevada Student Union right now. And we're going to talk to him previewing Beavs and Wolfpack. And then we will get uh, predictions. Going up to 2 o'clock, Judah Newby, Neil Lomax. Countdown to kickoff on 102.9, 750 the game. All right. Half an hour left. Well, really, T-minus 20 minutes. This show's flying by, as always. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax. Countdown to kickoff 102.9, the game. Taking you up to 2 o'clock as we get ready for Duck San Jose State. But, of course, a big game for the Oregon State Beavers. Is this the day that they snap their 20-game road-losing streak and get a win in Reno, a place where Jonathan Smith has both played, going back to 99, and he's coached there as well. Let's go live to Reno right now and talk to Nick Dashel. Covers the Beavers for the Oregonian and Oregon Live. Joining Judah Newby, Neil Lomax. Nick, how are you, sir? Good. Awesome. Just good? Just good. Wow, we're getting so close to a game time. That, pre, oh, that pregame buffet uh, must not have been very good. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, sitting in the, I'm sitting in the Student Union Center in oh. Nevada right now because it's not windy. It's windy outside, so oh. I decided to duck into a... Hey, hey, Neil, we went to school about the same time. I, I don't remember colleges looking at anything like this. There are there are overstuffed chairs all over the place in every building you go in now in colleges. Uh, I don't remember that college. Well, I know we in the Smith Center, we, I don't think we had any chairs at Portland State. No, so, I, I don't, you know, Nick, it was like these folding metal ones we brought in from the Science Center. So that's, <laughs> that was our hangout, was hanging in the training room. Uh, and waiting for mouths to come barking in there, Nick. So it, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what the guys do at Nevada Reno there, but do, are, is the casinos nearby? No, I don't, no, not too close. No, this is kind of up. This is a ways from from the action, I guess. But I mean, like I took my daughter to US, University of San Diego a couple of weeks ago. It's the same thing. It's just nothing but nice. I don't know why you'd ever want to leave. Well, okay, University of San Diego, private Catholic school. That's people have given millions of dollars donating i think they got the amway center or the others whatever the other <laughs> center they got down there so don't even compare like usd nick know. to portland it's to just, portland state 
Well, I, well, yeah, it's I, it's just not the colleges I remember. But anyway, so how's their football team going to do though? What's what's up with Nevada? Yeah, you mean Nevada or yeah. Oregon? No, State? I want to go to Nevada first. Wolfpack. I've, I've been pumping up Ty Gangi. I've been pumping up Mannix. I love their offense. How they move around. You got Hal Mummy's son running the show down there. If he's anything <laughs> like his dad, they're going to be crazy and crazy good. What's your take? Well, I, I thought the same thing until last week when they played Vanderbilt. I yeah. mean, that was that was not good. They couldn't run the ball at all, and I thought that was I thought that was kind of a big part of their offense. I know that you know they run the some of the air raid principles, but but I I mean they they didn't run the ball at all, and if they can't if they if they've got a you know if Oregon State can make them one dimensional, which I don't think they can, but if they could, I think Oregon State's got a pretty good chance to win the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about uh, Oregon State from a rushing attack standpoint? You got the injury to Artavis Pierce and Jamar Jefferson. Man, he looked so good for a young player last week. You look up, Nick, and the Beavers lead the Pac-12 in rushing through two games. I mean, how impressed have you been from uh, from a standpoint of them running the ball? Well, I, I mean, I'm impressed, but I'm not totally surprised because I, you know, I saw the offensive line was kind of coming together during during camp and you know i know they were doing against oregon state's defense but this is this this offensive line's got a lot of seniors and juniors on it and they and they were they were moving guys around and they've done that in the first two games too so i'm not taking anything away from jamar jefferson but i'm pretty sure they can they can load up any number of backs back there and they're going to run the ball because this line's playing well well, they're going to get a test today because, uh, again, it's second half Ohio State and it's the whole game against Southern Utah. So I, that's how I kind of look at things, too, when people compare about, hey, you didn't throw really well in the fourth quarter, you ran this. Well, here's why. And now you're going to have a full four quarters. Let's see what this team can do to match up with Reno's, you know, that 3-3-5 defense and Oregon State's. I know they'll, they'll both be prepared, but two quarterbacks, too. Uh, Nick, your take on Connor Blount, Jake Luton, 50-50. What's Jonathan Smith said the last few days about who's 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 getting the playing time, who might come in next? Well, he said nothing, but if it, he said nothing in terms of who's going to play, but if it's not Connor Blount, I'll be I'll be stunned because I mean, how do you take a guy out that's played as well as he's played the his first two games? You know, I know the first game was kind of a surprise that he played, but but he, he, he only came out last week because, you know, the game was totally in hand at halftime. And, I mean, I just don't know how you can go away from, from the hot hand at this, at this point. Even, even, if, even if Luton has proven, you know, during camp that he might have been the better player, you know, he's kind of got to ride the hot hand right now, I think. Well, absolutely, especially with Pierce is out and, and Bradford's out again. So losing some valuable talent on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, I think I think they can they can weather the storm with Bradford. They they do have some receivers beyond their top three that have some promise, but but again, yeah, I, I think the players kind of respond to Connor Blount, and um, you know he, he's not he's, he's not gonna he's not gonna wow you. He doesn't have a Neil Omax arm, but you know he, he's, he, he, he's <laughs> well. And who does? does. <laughs> well, that's true. Who does? You're right. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Maybe one of your four Vancouver quarterbacks. Oh, my God. God, let's don't oh. go there. <laughs> hey, Nick, uh, what about Beavers defensively? You know, what's the biggest concern for them going into this game? 
You mean short of everything? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, they 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 look good last week, but you know that was Southern Utah. This is a totally different situation. They, you know, they're challenged up front because they don't have a lot of depth in their in their line. You know, their linebackers are good, but they're not great. They've got some injuries in the secondary. They're missing some of their their key guys. So, you know, I think it's just kind of you know a piecework situation where it's, they're trying to come up with a, a scheme that you know that will work right. You know, they've tried a two four five and you know the three four four, and they've tried a bunch of stuff. And I, I guess they're going to you know mix and match stuff as as they go today. Just hope they can slow down Nevada somewhat. Hey Nick, does this team know about the, the twenty? I mean, obviously rhetorical question there, but still the twenty game losing streak. I mean, four years of losing on the road. I mean, all those things have to be that, not quite the elephant in the room, but it's got to be in the room there, right? Oh, they know about it. But, I mean, you know, this team's got a lot of – they're playing a lot of freshmen, and true freshmen and redshirt freshmen and sophomores that really haven't been a part of that losing streak. And so I don't I don't know that it's – you know, they, I'm, it gets talked about a little bit, but I don't honestly – I don't honestly think it, it's that big of a deal. I you know, if this team, you know, lost two or three, they, you know, they, they lost at Ohio State, but if they lose this game and they lose at Arizona State, then I think, you know, then they start, then they start thinking about it. But I don't know that it's a big deal. That's more of a fan and media type thing than, than to the team at this point. But it would be big. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, once you prove you can win on the road, you've kind of proven you're a decent team. Yeah, well, yeah, it was Colorado State last year. So here we are, Nevada this year. And, you know, it is on the road, a game that Oregon State, as far as I'm concerned, it can win. Yeah, plus three it, it and a half. Win. Yeah. What do you think, Nick? What, what's your prediction on this one? Well, I, I called it Nevada 38-34, but I, got, I have got no conviction on this. I mean, I have no <laughs> idea what's going to happen. It, 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 I mean, it, honestly, either team could win by 20. It could come down to the last play. It, 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 it's, it's, it's a... I, I have no idea what's going to happen today because you know, Nevada had the, you know they had the, the really good looking game they had the really lousy looking game so which you know which Nevada are you going to get today yeah, I'm guessing yeah. they're going to get the you're going to get the first one but hey I'm curious you talked about the the fluffy chairs and the and the the bean bags and everything but what atmosphere there you've been to Pac-12 game Ohio's atmosphere for tonight's game you rank this like these these guys get involved the student body the are the students there, the alumni crowd? Is is this going to be thirty, forty thousand screaming Wolfpack fans? No, um, they they you know they they were three and nine last year, so they weren't. You know, obviously, they weren't good. They were they averaged about twenty thousand okay. in their stadium. I would say it's going to be like a maybe like a Washington state type crowd. I'm guessing, you know, when Washington state doesn't have the entire place full, it, it'll, and, and I think Oregon state's going to have, have some fans here. I, yeah. You know, it was, it was tough to get, it was tough to get, you know, decent airfare to get down there. It was unbelievable. Actually, how, how expensive it was just to get to Reno, which I gotta believe has to do with, you know, Oregon state fans buying up a lot of tickets. Now, I don't know what that means. It's a, you know, it's an eight hour drive from Corvallis. It's, I expect there's going to be, you know, two, three, four thousand Oregon State fans here today. 
Well, Nick, we'll be following your uh, your Twitter updates because this game on ESPN three, not a whole lot of people are going to be able to watch no, no, it. You no, know, no, 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 no. It's now it's on ESPN Oh, let's no, go! Been, we can watch it on TV it's been, now. It's been moved because of all the the hurricane canceled a bunch of games, and now this game is moved to ESPN oh. Yeah, you, yeah, you can watch it. Awesome. Well, we'll be following you on Twitter anyway, uh, because, you know, you've got the great updates. At Nick Dashel. Nick, hey, thanks so much for taking the time talking beefs. Sure, no problem. We'll see you. Thanks, Nick. There it is. Yeah, real quickly, uh, East Carolina at Virginia Tech canceled. West Virginia, North Carolina State canceled. UCF at North Carolina canceled. Mm. Stuff. Our, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers are certainly with those affected out there, too, because uh, that is nothing to mess around with. That's some scary stuff. But, you know, football is certainly secondary in a, in a matter uh, like that. All right. One more segment. Myself, Neil Lomax, we're going to make our picks for all the Pac-12 top 25 games on the other side. Rapid fire. Stay here for that. Going up to 2 o'clock. Countdown to kickoff. All right. Time to rip through some of these games. Rapid fire. Back 12, Stanford leads UC Davis 27-3. Neil Lomax, Stanford, ninth-ranked team in the country without Bryce Love, taking care of business against the Aggies. And, of course, Stanford comes up to Eugene next week. Cameron Scarlett from uh, Central Catholic, rushing the ball very well. Yeah, he's got nine carries for 30 yards and a touchdown today, does Cam Scarlett, the two-time state champion here in the state of Oregon, Colorado, and New Hampshire. The alma mater of Chip Kelly visiting the Colorado Buffaloes, and I tell you what, LaVisca Chenault for Colorado. Alabama was recruiting this guy coming out of DeSoto, Texas. He decides to go to CU and play for Coach Mack. He leads the country in receptions per game and touchdowns per game. CU is a real deal, Neil. I was so impressed with them in Nebraska last week, how they held on, won that game, uh, Montez playing great. It, this will be two in a row. The, Colorado will go 3-0. and Idaho State and Cal. Justin Wilcox trying to get the Cal Bears to 3-0. and And then Cal has a bye week. And then they open up Pac-12 play at home against the Oregon Ducks. Yeah, the Pocatillo Bengals from Idaho State don't have a chance here. But, you know, <laughs> I, I love what uh, 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 Wilcox is doing. Bringing in Peter Sermon. Great coach. The Oregon connection. Steve Greatwood is right. their offensive line coach. Uh, Peter Sermon, that defense, what they're doing at Cal, they're going to be a formidable foe in the Pac-12. Well, we'll be talking about this game in the postgame as well on KXL, but 22 USC at Texas. JT Daniels on the road like this. This is a tough one for the Trojans. And I don't know why I keep talking about I got a feeling something's going to happen here and he's going to get pulled. I, I don't know why. I, I'm just My gut feelings tell me this is going to be a really, really close game. Both teams aren't playing really well, but something's going to happen, and Clay Helton's going to make a decision. Maybe he's going to regret it, but he's got to make a decision. Shout-out McMinnville High School grad Gage Gubrud leading Eastern Washington on the Palouse. Gubrud has helped the Eagles upset Mike Leach already once in his college career. Can he do it again at 5 o'clock? Wazoo, an 18-and-a-half-point favorite. And they're missing Bo Balwin. He's down with, uh, Cal. With, with, with Wilcox at Cal, so another great coach. So we'll see what they can do against the Cougs. Gardner Minshew is playing really, really well. I think Washington State wins this game. What do you like about 10th-ranked Washington at Rice-Eccles and Utah at 7 o'clock? Just because it's going to be a great game. This is a very important game. I mean, Washington-Auburn. Washington-Auburn. Now you got Washington at Utah. This is going to be a huge one for Washington. Washington to pull it out. My big, my big thing here is Jake Browning, quit being normal. Will you grow up and start playing? Come on, man. Wow. My ears prick no. up with that. Come That's on. some criticism right there. Let's go. All right. How about Herm Edwards? This is scary. At his alma mater, San Diego State, 
Can ASU deal with the emotional high of beating MSU and take care of business down to San Diego State? Well, you better control Jawan Washington. He's a sharp-looking running back in, in both ways, meaning pass protection, third down back, as well as running first, second downs. They control him. Arizona State's going to get a victory. Chip Kelly is a two-point home dog to the fight in Jeff Tedford's UCLA Fresno State. Oh, Neil, what's going to go on here? It's in the Rose Bowl. Uh <laughs> Yeah, this is the Cal, the Cal uh, Oregon days again. But again, it's going to be a really good game to watch. It's going to be close because I know Chip. He doesn't have his guys yet. He doesn't have them. He'll get his guys. Chip will always will get his guys. So Dorian Thompson Robinson will be the quarterback for UCLA. I see a close game here. UCLA pulling out by a field goal. Final five seconds. Beavs Nevada prediction. Nevada. 35, Beavs 28. I've got Nevada 40, Beavs 35. Countdown to kickoff. That's a wrap. CBS Sports Radio coming up. Timbers to follow. Post game show on KXL right after the duck game. Myself, Neil Lomax. We out.